Hello, everybody! Welcome to the Lenga Guys. Welcome to the Lenga Guys. It's the word on the hill. I'm Scott Powell. I'm Father Peter Munson. We're Lanky Guys. And this is the word on the hill. That's right. As you well know. <laughs> and um, Or case, maybe you're looking for something else. Yeah, yeah. In you case, found us. In case you didn't know what we're on about, Scott Powell and I decided about a year and a half ago. That's right. That uh, we wanted to have a Havarim. And a Havarim. A Havarim is a group of individuals who get together and to study, debate, and come with insight into the scriptures. And so we're so stoked to invite you into our Havarim. I can't imagine any of the ancient Jewish Havarims ever elicited someone calling them like Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> but we're similar <laughs> Dude, to a Havarim. Th- that's one of our iTunes reviews. These guys are just like Beavis and Butthead. I think they gave the same review, though, to uh, to Catholic stuff you should know, guys. Yeah, I, I you can look through people's reviews on other things, and there was a common theme. <laughs> <laughs> These, I think that that guy actually just watched so much Beavis and Butthead in his mother's basement that uh, <laughs> that he sees things through that lens now. Maybe, or maybe we just are like that. Maybe. But this is my question: Is who's Beavis? Did I ask that question before? On you here? did not. No, never. Oh. And I have. I, I I didn't watch it very much. I quite frankly. Quite frankly, I didn't either. So I can't. I don't know the difference between the two. I don't either. I don't think there is a difference. Maybe there's not. Maybe there wasn't a difference anyway. Anyway, so oh, so so that's oh, at the heart. Oh. Of, <laughs> I'm sorry, Scott. Scott, nothing. No, I, no, I call no, on continue. you. That's at the heart of what? What we're trying to do. That is at the is heart. To, is to be havarim. Havarim. And, uh, and so I just figured, you know, every once in a while, it's good to just remind people what we're actually trying to do, and that is that's to right. come together as a community and to get up with insight into the Sunday readings, that's specifically right. as laid out by the Catholic Church. That is right. Um, speaking of shoutouts, I know we don't do shoutouts very often, but. There's a couple things we have to point out. I was thrilled about this last week. So we did our, our uh, well, you guys didn't know this, but we did a, we had to redo a show that we, that I lost. I confess it. I lost the podcast. Well, you told everybody on the podcast. Did I tell everybody yeah, last you week? You don't okay. have to confess that. Too so much. we had to redo it while I was on vacation in California. And so it took a, it took a little while to, because of the internet connection to get everything uploaded, but I still got it up by Thursday night, but we were already getting angry emails and messages on Facebook <laughs> by like Thursday evening, like, where's the podcast? Oh yeah. I saw that. There was Isn't one guy specifically that I got an email. Yeah. But it always sounds better if you talk about multiple people. We all, okay. We got one. <laughs> we got one person. <laughs> well, no, no, but no, still, this is what they say is you get one, com- you get comment from one person and there's at least 10 people behind that person. Represents. Absolutely. Yep. So, so, so that f- made me feel like we'd really arrived me too i actually felt pretty honored by it i did too i really did that means that it's like it really is a part of the fabric of people's lives the touch the feel of lanky guys i also so a couple weeks ago we also asked we had a a strange bump in our likes on facebook and we were curious where all these people came from i don't know exactly where they came from but mark shea Oh, yeah. The apologist, the well-known apologist, gave us a little shout out on his website. I think it's called Catholic and Enjoying It. Yeah. Um, which so thanks, Mark. I don't know if you actually listen, but thank you, Mark Shea. If you haven't checked out Mark Shea, he's got a great, uh, great blog. Yep. So maybe that explains where some of you have come from, and I'm sure any of you that checked us out have ceased listening to us because <laughs> sound like people's butthead. Dude, but this is the thing: is we just weed out to people in these first ten minutes who can't right. hang. It's like Darwinism. All right, let's jump into. <laughs> <laughs> Let's jump into some Darwinism. We are in the fifth Sunday of Lent. Should I edit that? No, just no, that. no. Fifth Sunday of Lent. Um, we only have one more, right? Yeah. Wait, this isn't Palm Sunday. 
No. Next, the next one is Palm Sunday, and then it's Easter. Yeah, yeah, and and it happens to be Blessed Notker's Day. I'm sorry, what? Blessed Notker. Which one? N o t k e r. The fifth Sunday of Lent. This one? Oh, yeah. Blessed. What does that mean? Notker. That, that's a guy's name. Yeah. Oh. I Wait, know. is it Ger? No, Ker. Wait, so it's Ker's feast day. N o t k e r. One name. Wait, is it Ker's feast day? Who's Ker? I'm trying to set you up for a joke. Who's no, it's not Kerr. It's a, uh, <laughs> oh, 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 I got. I saw what you did right there. That so, was good. That was terrible. Uh, you're all turning us off right now. Yeah. All right, let's get going. So our first reading for this week on the Feast of Blessed Notker. Notker? Notker. 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 From Ezekiel. We haven't spent much time in Ezekiel, so I had to do some research this morning on Ezekiel. Yeah. Ezekiel 37, verses 12 through 14. Followed by Psalm 130, verses 1 to 2, 3 to 4, 5 to 6, 7 to 8. Bang! I just... <laughs> Followed by the letter to the Romans, chapter 8, verses 8 through 11. Hi, Romans. And then we have um, John 11, 1 to 45. That's true, we do. Okay. That's the gospel. Good night, everybody. Thanks for no. tuning in. No, and, no, no. Uh, we hope that your laundry comes out nice and shiny and bright. I don't understand the reference. There's remember how we asked you like what people were doing while they were listening to the podcast. We oh, got, some of you are doing the laundry. Some of you are doing laundry. <laughs> some of you are are are, mm. are on the long haul. Mm-hmm. Burp, burp. Mm-hmm. Some of you are working out at the gym. Some of you are driving to work. Some of you are riding a motorcycle with headphones in. Do you think? Yeah, some people I think are at the shooting range. <laughs> doing target practice and we're getting them anger we're firing up their anger yeah. what a stupid thing to say hovery sorry that struck me as so funny <laughs> don't shoot at the hovering don't shoot all right so we're, we're looking dude, at that's a, our that's our new oh, lanky guys bumper <laughs> sticker <laughs> don't shoot don't shoot at the hovering don't shoot our hovering yeah okay, oh, okay. So, so dude ezekiel ezekiel zeke Zeke, man, I like Zeke. I preached on him last night at the Candlelight Mass. Did you? Yeah, with the thousand cubits of water mm, in, a lot of water. in the directions of anything. And it was, it was pretty good, man. Neat. Of the altar, but <laughs> I said neat. Thanks. You just looked at me the funny. I did. Why are you looking at me funny? I didn't mean to. That's just how I look. Oh. It's just my face. You're just funny looking. Thanks, man. Well, dude, let's All get right, in. So Give me some history. Okay. This is this is good because up up until throughout a lot of this year we've been looking at Isaiah, isn't that right? Yeah. With a little foray into Jeremiah for a little bit. Jeremiah. But so so what Jeremiah and Isaiah are doing, so really they they are taking kind of a systematic look at what happened in in Israel and what happened in Jerusalem and what brought upon the punishment and the destruction of Jerusalem, the destruction of the temple. But they're both doing it from the perspective of Jerusalem itself. Okay. Yeah. So Isaiah and Jeremiah are watching this happen. And they're kind of explaining how we got there. So Ezekiel's a little bit different. Ezekiel is fascinating because um, he gives us a different point of view on the exact same events. So the prophet Ezekiel was a priest, and he was taking during what was called the second wave of exiles. So the way that Babylon worked, when Babylon came to take in your take away your country, they would basically bring down the city. They would take control of it, and they would slowly start hauling off exiles. And what they did it was kind of their immigration strategies. So they would find the best and the brightest, the artisans, you know, the craftsmen, the doctors, the lawyers, they would haul them off to their place and actually put them to work so that they could kind of pick and choose the best, the cream of the crop of the, you know, uh, craftsmen and whatever else from the nations and bring them to work in Babylon. So Ezekiel was part of that. So he was hauled off into exile oh. before Jerusalem was destroyed. 
So he's actually giving his accounts, his visions are coming while he's in Babylon. But what God is doing through, through Ezekiel, God is sort of giving him a series of visions in which he spiritually is taken from Babylon to watch what's happening back in Jerusalem. And because it's God who's sort of doing that, we get more of an insider's view. So literally, Jeremiah and, and, uh, and Isaiah are just watching it happen and recording it. Ezekiel is getting the spiritual perspective on it. So he's getting, in a very real sense, God's perspective on what's happening to the temple and to, to Jerusalem and stuff. Oh, wow. He must have been a good prophet. That's why they hauled him off, dude. He must have been, Well, he was a priest. Oh. But he was also, I think he was also a scribe and a writer. Oh, So cool. he, was, he was a bright guy. Yeah. Now, Ezekiel 37 is uh, really, it's one of the most famous passages from Ezekiel. Is uh, Does the dry bones follow from this? Yeah, this is the dry bones. Yeah, yeah. I, I think the dry bones particularly comes right before this. So, you know, his fam- the, the whole the whole chapter is really um, centers around this prophecy over the valley of dry bones. Isn't there a, like a Sunday school song? Yeah, them, them bones, bones, them bones, bones them dry, dry bones. bones. Something, 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 something. Something, Leg bones something. connect to the hip bone. So, hip bone connect to the other bone. The other bone. Other so, bone uh, going to be connected to the other bone. <laughs> yeah, man. Um, other bone. So, <laughs> so the dry bone. The, the dry bones. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's read what it says. This is 3712. Thus, thus saith the Lord God. Thus says the Lord God. <laughs> oh, my people, I will open your graves and you will rise from them and bring you back to the land of Israel. Then you shall know that I am the Lord when I open your graves and you have and have you rise from them. Oh, my people, I will put my spirit in you that you may live and I will settle you in your land. That thus, thus you may know that I am the Lord. I have promised I will do it, says the Lord. So right before this, I believe, is when we get this vision of a valley of these dried, rotting bones. And what Ezekiel sees in this mysterious vision is these bones all coming back together, and they start growing muscle and synapses and then skin on top of them. It so, reminds me of um, of the uh, the movie the Army of Darkness, but that's just... <laughs> every time I think of, of the oh, dry bones, man. I think of Army of Darkness, which is just totally not okay. But that, welcome not. to welcome to contemporary culture, baby. Welcome to your mind, <laughs> oh, yeah. which I love being in. Oh, thanks. Here's to you. Hey, here's to you. Here's to you. Um, so, okay, but think about this. On a very practical level, here's a bunch of dead bones coming back together, forming skin and growing muscles and everything else and, and breathing. What is that an image of? Literally. Resurrection? Resurrection. So... There is resurrection in the Old Testament. There is this vision, this beautiful vision of this, oh. literally a person coming back to life, which for the ancient Israel life, that imagery, and then this kind of gives you a more full-bodied explanation of what's going on here, but that, that prophecy sums up all the hopes contained in Israel's restoration. It's when, when I, so again, you're getting a bird's eye view on what's happening in the Old Testament. God is saying, okay, you're enduring this punishment. You're getting hauled off in exile. It's like you as a nation are dying in a very real way. But you will come back to life. This de- these dead bones that have been scattered about are going to be brought back together. And from then on out, the idea of God's restoration, God's kingdom coming back, was always associated with resurrection, life. Now, I don't know if anybody was really expecting a physical body to come back from the dead. But the idea of resurrection, that, that concept, that imagery, yeah. was intimately tied for the Jewish people with the re- reestablishment of the kingdom, coming back to life. And that's what Ezekiel 37 um, is all about. You're going to rise from the graves. You know, I'll put my spirit and my life in you. Again, people are reading Ezekiel for the first time. I don't know if people are necessarily thinking literally there. 
they're thinking, oh, spiritually, we're going to be brought back to life. Little do they know that God's going to make it literal. Yeah. Now, by the time of Jesus, that's a little bit, um, it's a little bit uh, messy because there's a lot of Jewish people that do believe in a literal resurrection. Some people deny it. That was kind of a mess, but we'll get there later. Yeah. Man, I got nothing to add. That's good. It's I, cool. I just want we had to yeah, just yeah. do a little digging in Ezekiel. Oh. Oh, I didn't. I didn't. Oh, oh come on! No. I'll open your graves and have you rise from them and dig, do a little dig, digging. Dig. Do a little digging in. <laughs> that was ridiculous. That was totally amazing. Come on, oh. your mind is a special place. I like being there. <laughs> your mind is a special. Sounds like such an insult. All right, <laughs> Psalm one thirty. <130. laughs> <laughs> what? Your mind is a special. It sounds like an insult. It does. It's a good bumper sticker, though. Is it? Your mind is a special place? <laughs> yeah. Take that, sucker. Take that. In parentheses. That. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, unlike with me, with the Lord, there is mercy and fullness of redemption. Did you say unlike with you? Yeah, yeah. You have with, no mercy or redemption. Well, this is the thing. The only redemption I really have is like the five cents that you get back for the bottles at the store. <laughs> Only in Rhode Island and Connecticut. <laughs> that's funny. Because actually, is you have, that funny? Uh, no, it really isn't. But like, <laughs> but neither was mine. The, we we just at least we're up. honest with each other. The, this is this is we're a little bit lanky on the uh, on the humor today. A little what bit thin. Oh, oh, that wasn't bad. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Hey, I wasn't as bad as I thought it was. I thought we were being honest. We are being honest. Okay. I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Out of the depths, we cry to the Lord. Psalm 130. This is, so last week we, um, uh, what was last week's psalm? Do you remember? It was significant. Was it the 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 shepherd? The Lord is my shepherd. There's nothing oh, yeah, I yeah. shall want. So these two psalms, these are these are some of the most well-known psalms oh, in yeah. the Christian tradition. This is, this is yeah, it's incredibly well-known. Um, this, w- this particular psalm uh, comes out in... Um, uh, the sixth sense when the kid uh, is okay. speaking in Latin when he's in the church. Really? Out of the depths I cry to you, but he's doing it in Ooh, Latin. Oh, that's it, creepy. My, yeah, my dad always is. My da- it always makes my dad cry when he does that. Whoa, that yeah. creeps me out. And he's playing bit. with like little figures in, uh, the, in the church because that's where not the dead people are in a like happy it. place. I don't like it. I don't want to talk about it. Okay, we're stopping. That movie that. freaked me out. Dude, it's rightly so. It's oh, okay, a freaky good. movie, dude. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot. Shoot. Speaking of, oh, never mind. I, there's so many tangents I want to get off on. Did you ever look at the website Homestar Runner? Oh, time to check the email. Yesterday it was updated for the first time in four years. No. Yeah. There's a new. There's a new. You Homestar- should go there oh, after this podcast. Strong bad. I don't know if you guys are as nerdy as us and ever looked at HomestarRunner.com. Homestar Runner with <laughs> with updated Martha for Pan? the first time in four years. Dude, Martha Pan. Martha Pan. Anyway, okay, back to business. Little brother. <laughs> back to business. Okay. I knew I knew I would get you off. All right. So out of the out of the depths I cry to you, old lord. So this this <laughs> you know, I can't do, I can't, I can't, oh. I can't like go to the depths while I'm thinking about Homestar, but it's okay. I'm not but as spacey is... as you make me in this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I just I just bring it out in you. Yeah, you do. You bring it out. Yeah. Uh, okay. Out of the depths, I cry to you, O oh Lord. <laughs> now, okay, we do. We have to get serious. Okay, because, I am. I'm serious. Um, so in uh, the the usage mm-hmm. of this psalm, so in the liturgy and the liturgy of the hours, right in the breviary, both in the East and the West, in the in the traditional prayers, it's always this prayer. This psalm has always been um, considered one of the appropriate, most appropriate things to pray when people have died. Yeah. So it's a death. It's sort of a funeral. It's a mourning. Um, 
psalm. And traditionally, that's been its usage, both in the Christian East and in the West. Across the board, it's, it's been one that reminds us of death. Um, Out of the depths I cry to you, Lord, you know, Lord, hear my voice. Now, the first reading was all about the resurrection of the dead. Now oh, we have yeah. a psalm that is reminding us of funerals and praying for those who have actually already died, which Ooh. is an interesting segue. And that's what's pushing us ahead toward our gospel, which is, is really going to punch us in the face. Yeah, or, or at least it'll tie us up and, and roll away our stone. Yeah. Roll what? away the stone. Oh, dude, that's the Mumford. That's the Mumford songs. Mm. That's the Mumford song. Mm. Okay, okay, so let's get into Romans. Okay, so okay. this is the thing. is when I'm looking at Romans, okay, yeah. I feel like I need some sort of like decoder ring to mm. be able to understand what he's actually going for because like- yeah. Like when he's going off about the uh, about the flesh and the spirit, I feel like there's like this like massive context. Like I'm getting the tip of the iceberg as he's talking about these concepts of the flesh and the spirit. Totally, totally. And this is where you know we actually get in some arguments with our Protestant friends about our understanding of what Paul means here, because um, what elsewhere in Paul's letters he talks about there being nothing good in our flesh. Our flesh is fallen. Our flesh is weak. Our flesh is sinful. And then we have this kind of very Catholic understanding of our bodies being very good, though. We're not Gnostics, right? We don't yeah. have this kind of body is bad, spirit is good we've, idea. We've fleshed that theology out a little we've, bit more. We've fleshed that out pretty well. <laughs> but, but, you know, a lot of our Protestant friends, though— people, yeah. Thanks, man. But especially our Lutheran friends, you know, the, the flesh is, is bad. No, I don't think they're Gnostics per se, but it, it's sort of a, a tenuous position to be in. If everything about our flesh is bad, I mean, this is where Martin Luther had to come down, you know, we're just rotten to the core, but because of Christ, we look like we're okay. We look like, you know, we're a dung heap covered with snow. We're still rotten and our bodies and our flesh and everything else is terrible, but we look like we're okay to God. That's what Christ has done, which is a pretty weak theology, quite frankly. Yeah. And it's not what Paul means. So this is where you do have to do some navigation. And this is where language kind of trips us up a little bit. So, of course, the New Testament was written in, in Greek. And, you know, any, any of you guys who know other languages, you know there's just certain words that don't have an exact translation. You have to kind of do your best. Yeah. The word for flesh, it's the word sarx, S-A-R-X. Like sarcasm? Yeah, I actually think that might be where the root of that comes from. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I, th- I think it is, actually. I'm yeah. not sure. But sarks in and of itself is a neutral word. Okay. So it's used in the New Testament to talk about our our flesh is bad, we're fleshly, you know, sins of the flesh, da-da-da-da-da. But it's also used in the positive sense, meaning Jesus took on flesh. Jesus, um, you know— Gave his a, flesh. Gave his, his flesh. For, the, for love, true food and true drink. Right. So the word, even though it can be used negatively, it can be used positively, it's just a neutral word. Yeah. So if you want to understand what Paul means by it, we have to understand the context. Now, what he means by it here— when he talks about those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So what he's saying is that the only thing that can please God is if you're an angel well, that's and that what you're it, a disembodied spirit. That's kind of the logical conclusion if you read it that way, isn't it? Yeah. If you're in the flesh. But that's not what it means. When Paul uses the term flesh, and you have to look at the context to figure out what he means by it. But when he uses it in the negative sense, flesh for Paul means our fallen human nature. Not simply humanity, which is intrinsically good. Christ took on our humanity. He redeemed our humanity. But flesh being our fallen, sinful human nature. It's like when he says in Philippians, your God has become your belly. Yes. You're governed by your desires. When the flesh becomes the God, 
then you have a problem. And that's what Paul means when he calls us fleshy and or fleshly and that kind of thing. That's what he means. So saying, but you are not in the flesh doesn't mean you don't have bodies. Of course we have bodies. He means you're not stuck in your fallen human nature. Even though you feel like you are, you're not a slave to that. On the contrary, you are in the spirit. And he'll frequently contrast the flesh and the spirit. Now, here's one of the problems in our modern world. If I had a dime for every person who said, well, I'm not, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual. Right? You know that line. I do. For Paul, that would be, for the first century, that would be a completely absurd term. Because the word spiritual has no meaning for Paul or for the New Testament outside of one specific meaning. What is, what is spiritual for Paul? There's only one kind of spirit. Yeah, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. So saying that, oh, I'm spiritual, but I'm not Christian or religious. If Paul were to hear that, he'd say that that's an absurdity. That doesn't make any sense. The, the spiritual is the Holy Spirit. So he's contrasting being governed by what our bodies desire, which can be unhealthy for us, or being governed by what the Holy Spirit, which is dwelling inside of our bodies, is telling us is actually right or wrong or to be avoided or to pursued. Right. Does that make sense? Yes. Um Okay, read on. If only the Spirit of God dwells within you, whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although your body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. So again, your body's, um, Paul's kind of, how do I say this? Is body a different word than the sarks? Yes, it is a different word. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a very different word. But okay. he also says your body is, is dead because of sin. But he's almost... Uh, what's the word? I can't think of the word. When you know, when it's like when Jesus says you got to pluck your eye out. Hi, hi, hyperbole. He's being a little bit hyperbolic. Yeah, yeah. Because a body is dead. Yeah, no. I mean, Not I have an animating principle. If I right. I still walk and breathe and. But eat even on and... a spiritual sense, even if we're entrenched in sin, we still have a conscience in there. Yes. That tells us we know what we ought to be doing, even if we deaden that voice. It's still down there. Yes. And we can animate that. So he's he's. I don't want. I, it's, I'm, I'm cautious about saying he's exaggerating, but he's trying to make a point, and he's not arguing against you know this Catholic, Catholic Lutheran debate that's going on now. He has that's the furthest thing from his mind, so he has the freedom to say this. But he's saying, you know what? Look, your body. If you just follow your desires and what your belly tells you to do, it's going to lead you to death. That's the reality. You need to be tapped into the Holy Spirit, who brings bodies back from the dead. So if your body in and of itself is going to lead you to death, guess what? The Holy Spirit is the animating principle of Jesus Christ that brings bodies back. That's mm. kind of the point of this passage. That's the point of Paul describing the death that our bodies bring, mm. is not that, oh, your body's bad, that's terrible, so you just have to focus on spiritual things. It's that the end of the story is that Jesus brings bodies back. That's what he does. So, again, this is not an either-or thing. Jesus doesn't just bring our spirits back. He doesn't just enliven us in a spiritual way, but he took on a human body, he took on human flesh to redeem it as well. It's a whole bit. It's, it's everything. So St. Irenaeus has that great quote, right? That which is not assumed is not redeemed. In other words, Jesus either came to redeem everything or he came to redeem nothing. It's all or nothing. He's either Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. We used to say in focus, right? Yeah. I think that's the point of what Paul is getting at here. Because he says... Uh, the one who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies as well. And the, so he's not just talking about spiritual realities. He's saying your bodies as well, they're brought along with this. It's not just that you look good. And because of Jesus, you you know, even though you're a wreck, you, you just look okay to God because he can't really see the truth. I mean, what, what a terrible theology that is. Yeah. Oh, we fooled God. We pulled the wool over his eyes. Now we just look good. So it'll let us into heaven somehow. I mean, it's, it's an absurd theology. No, we've actually been transformed. Yeah, so, that's that's the idea. Yeah, and uh, 
and this is the thing is that if you're if you're in the Boulder area on Fridays, we actually mm. have we have a Lutheran Catholic dialogue. Thursdays. Thursdays, sorry, Thursdays. At what time? Uh three o'clock at Conrad O'Neill's pub. So we discuss and we argue about theology over over pints of beer. Which come on, you can't get any better than that. Life is good. Life is good. So if you're around Boulder at three o'clock on Thursdays, then you know where to be. Absolutely. So I think that um, that leads us into the gospel. I think it leads us perfectly into the gospel, <laughs> which I see all of your stacks of books on John over there. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I only have a couple of them. <laughs> I, I got this one from you. That's a good book. That is a good book. I learned it from watching you. I learned it from watching you. Yeah. Oh, I, I think I have your other book, on, your other favorite book. You on do. Sorry, I went man. to go look at it. Oh, shoot. And you had it in your. I have it. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. It I hope you used it for this one. I did. I did. Oh, you didn't do nothing like this, <laughs> that, dude. I use my lecture notes from John. And Sorry. Hey, th- I accept that. Thanks, man. So, uh, so this is the raising of Blah blah blah. Dude, anytime you talk, I'm just gonna be like blah 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 blah. blah. You have been the whole podcast, <laughs> dude. I know I have. That's okay. I haven't had anything to say till now because I didn't study the other readings. <laughs> All right, so we're at the raising of Lazarus. Okay, Lazarus, 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 Nazareth, Lazarus, Lazarus. What is my I always question? Mix those. Sorry, Lazarus. Yes. What about the rich man and Lazarus, dude? I think it was. I think it was probably just a common name. Do you think it was like it was like John, or like maybe there's a lot of Johns. Jake. There's a lot of Judases in the Bible. There's a lot of Simons. There's a lot there's of a lot of Lazarus. There appear, there's at least two. I'm yeah. assuming it's just a common name. I don't. I've always wondered that myself. Yeah, I don't think it is the same person, I but but I think we just have to identify that question before we get moving on this well, because it's not it's not some guy who has like sores on his body. Well, yeah, that's him. exactly. He doesn't. He has a house. He has a home. He has a family. He lives in the suburbs of Jerusalem and Bethany, right? <laughs> he does. That's really funny that you said he lives in the suburbs. He does. Bethany is is like the superior to Boulder. It's <laughs> just right over there. Yeah, it, you've it, been there. I've been the superior. So you've been to Bethany too, haven't you? <laughs> I have been to Bethany, ah. but okay, and it's across a big valley. It's actually I always use that analogy in my classes because there's the Kidron Valley, which separates Bethany and and Beth uh, Bethesda. Yeah, Bethesda. Beth- Bethesda. 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 Bethany. In Jerusalem. <laughs> let's, just, let's just move on. <laughs> let's just let's just take that one and, and keep going. Good. Uh, um, I have to say the personalities in this particular one, I feel like Martha's personality really comes out. Like she like you compare to what Martha yep. was doing before and you look at her again and for some reason Martha totally annoyed me as I was reading this. In passage. this in this one? Yeah, in this one. I just like what I just it was the combined uh, effort. So you're going to have to redeem Martha for me today because I'll do my best. Cuz I just was kind of annoyed at her. So and I was do- kind of annoyed at Mary too, but of course they're mourning their brother. Yeah, and so, so just so you guys know, there Lazarus is the brother of Martha and Mary, and the Martha and Mary story that we're most familiar with appears in the Gospel of Luke. It's the one that you know Martha's really busy. No, Martha. Yeah, Martha's really busy preparing the food, and Mary's just hanging out at his feet. See at his feet, and and probably the same people though that we're dealing with here. Yeah, and and so of course we get this thing, and there's like a bunch of back and forth. I mean, this the story is like. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say what Jesus is about to do here, just to set the backdrop. There's seven major signs that Jesus. Oh, good. Performs. I was going to ask you about that. This but I is forgot. the sixth of seven. And the so seventh we're reaching is... the climax. Yeah, yeah. And the seventh is his own resurrection. Right. Right. So they've been growing in uh, in intensity, so to speak. Oh yeah, and 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 in some ways, the 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 first half of the Gospel of John is actually called the Book of Signs. Yeah, that's right. Tell us about Lazarus. Um. Oh, Father. Oh, Father. Please tell us about Lazarus. 
Um, well, this is this is there's a lot of confusing things, and I think we need to just kind of like make them ex, uh, explicate them mm. because mm. Mm. why did Jesus wait around? Mm. Well, why? he says why. He actually tells you why. Well, yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. I'm saying sometimes that's not satisfying. Jesus, no, it's, it's Jesus, not satisfying for them either, though. <laughs> well, and that's why we need to talk about that's these true. things. Fair enough. Things. Fair enough. Um, so we need to talk about that. We need to talk about um, um, um. Lazarus, why Lazarus was dressed the way he was. Oh, yeah, that's a big one. Um, and we need to talk about, um, yeah, that's good. Okay. So I divide the story of Lazarus into six parts. Oh, dude. <laughs> Is that weird? <laughs> I, you're you're cool. No, I'm not. I think I stole it from Ted Shree. Okay, good. So there, there's first the introduction. So okay. at the end of the first six verses, he says, there was a guy in, in, in Bethany. He was ill. He was in this village, da 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 Part two is Jesus basically saying, hey, let's go to Judea. Let's take a road trip, right? Let's go back. Then, uh, and then... But in that section, though, there's a lot of themes, and this brought, draws us back to last week, of light and dark. Ooh. He talks about walking in light, walking in darkness, yeah. death, life. So there's big themes in there. Then the third scene, you meet Martha and Mary, and you get kind of frustrated with Martha in particular. Um, you know, There's this question scholars have asked, is, Mar- is Martha being faithful or not? And I, th- I think she is. I think there's discipleship language in what she's saying. But Ooh. So that's part three. Then, uh, well, no, so you, first you get Martha. Then you get Mary. She's okay. kind of part four. She shows up then, right? Yep. Um, then you get the confession analogy, right? So Jesus um, basically does to Lazarus what he's going to. They, they confess, no, you are the Christ. We believe you can do what you claim that you can do. He raises Lazarus from the dead, showing, you know, Pointing to the future. And then part six, which we actually don't read this week, which I'm kind of sad, is the response. Yes. Which is what really ticks people off. Oh, yeah. So those are my six parts to break it up. Dude, that's good. Because this is a really long reading. We're getting, they're getting longer and longer every week now, the closer we get to Easter. So it's, I, I think it's helpful to kind of break things up a little bit. Yeah. Well, yeah. bet. Love bet. Love bet. All right. So I, I, there are some really interesting features about this story. So... Yeah, so again, part one, you get your introduction. It just tells you what's going on. Jesus says, hey, let's go down to Judea. Where is that? Oh, oh, here's what. Here's something interesting about that. Because um, really, this is a very straightforward story. I mean, there's not, it's, not, it's not complicated. No. But there's some cool stuff that happens in it. Yeah, so he hears he's ill, and Jesus says this illness. This is interesting. Jesus says this illness is not to end in death. Mm. And the disciples all hear that, and they're going to be thrown for a loop. But it's for the glory of God that the Son may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and Mary, and her, Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Isn't it interesting? It doesn't mention Mary by name there. Yeah, he loved Martha. Oh, and her sister and Lazarus. I actually have never noticed that till just now. I don't know why that is. There's probably a good, interesting, fascinating reason. Because her life, she is her life is hidden in Christ. Well, I think. But look at what it said in the previous line. It points out Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfumed oil. So it actually, the couple of verses before, it actually highlights Mary and how profound what she's done is. Oh. So anyway, so he's, uh, this is who she is. Jesus heard he was ill. He remained in the place where she was. After this, he said to his disciples, hey, let's go back to Judea. The disciples said, Rabbi, the Jews were just trying to stone you there. Why do you want to go back? Well, hold on. Before we get there, the timing Sorry. on this is actually really important. Okay, tell us about the timing. Because... 
he there's not a way that he could have made it would have taken a day for the for a, a messenger to get to Jesus to tell him to come back. So we're already at two days yeah. from him just about being to dying. So it's not like his delay was the cause of the death of Lazarus. You know what I'm saying? Like, like because uh, oh. Martha comes up and says, "If you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died." Well, that's a little bit tricky though, because it, how many days? By the time Jesus gets there, how many days has he been dead? Four. Do you know what it takes to legally declare someone dead in three. Jewish law? So three days. So, so in theory, had he gotten there on day two and a half or something, there's still hope. Yes, but Jesus explains to us why he's doing it. Why? It's because this is a sign to, to yeah. demonstrate <laughs> yeah. that that yeah. because he's been healing physical infirmities mm. and like and so they, they got that part. They're right. like, oh yeah, he can heal the blind. He can walk on water. The dude can he can do he can do anything. He can multiply loaves. Right. That but for him to be the realm of for him to be the lord of the afterworld. Yeah, that's pretty intense. The lord of the beyond to call somebody back from a total legal death. Like yeah. so, in a certain sense, like there's delay. He wouldn't have gotten there in a technical, okay. In a in a technical like, but but in your technical, I agree. Like he could have been there yeah. while the soul would have still been connected to the body or whatever. Yeah, or whatever. Yeah, okay. And, and then they would have sang some death cap for cutie, or they would have so, sang Psalm one thirty or Psalm one. Oh, that's better. Sorry, but yours I'm is like, funnier. No, I mean that's 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 <laughs> me and Father Brady. He's always like, "Dude, you make everybody laugh." <laughs> oh. But I'm like, "Yours is so much holier." <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm just like playing on bad people's pop culture. He's the worst. How holy <laughs> he's so holy. He says so many holy things. He does say holy things. He has a holy heart, which makes the funny things that he says even funnier. Oh, good. Don't you think? Oh yeah. Okay. I taught him what winning was yesterday. Winning. <laughs> he didn't know that term. Oh, I'm sure he's going to use it all the time. Oh yeah. But there there's this other theme in here that runs throughout John. Jesus talking about something on the spiritual level and people taking him on the literal level. Mm. Uh, not li- not literal, but the uh surface level, I guess. So he, he's saying our friend Lazarus is asleep. I'm going to go wake him up, <laughs> wake him up. And they're like, he's he's just asleep. He'll be saved. He's fine. You know, don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. They're probably like, oh yeah, he's just sleeping after his illness. You know, right, right, right. It, it says while they thought John is great, he connects the pieces for you. He's, it, he even says they just thought he meant ordinary sleep. So Jesus said to them clearly, no, Lazarus has died. So he knows that Lazarus is already dead, yeah. even though he just said a few verses before. No, it's not to death. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. He's ill, but it's not going to end in death. Now he's just said, oh, by the way, Lazarus just died. And, and then, if they're remembering what Jesus just said, they've got to be like, wait, I thought you said it's not going to end in death. He's uh, dead now? Yeah. But it's not going to, it's not ended yet. The yeah. end of the story has not arrived. No. Aha. Aha. And so now he's, four days. Four days. A glossa ordinaria. No, wait a second. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Before before he gets there, though. Yeah. Um. Is that where you're going? No. No. So you tell me. Oh, but you're going to when he's arrived. Yeah, yeah. There's something before that, though. Who is it that says, so they don't want to go down to Judea because that's where everybody wants to stone him. And he's like, no, we got to go because Lazarus is down there. We got to go see him. Who is it that speaks up and says, yeah, let's go? Do you remember? Is it Thomas? Thomas. Doubting Thomas. Doubting Thomas says, let us go and die with him. Dude, yeah, like that's the thing is Thomas's character gets like, he's like, it's kind of like Peter's response. Like, well, then, you know, then you have to wash everything of me. Yeah, right. It totally is. You know what I mean? It's interesting. Yeah, like Thomas is like, he's down. I think that 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 explains a little bit of his hurt. Yeah. That like, dude. Oh, yeah. Like, he's like, the Lord came back and I'm not there. He's like, I'm not going to believe it. You guys, like, that would hurt. Totally. Because the dude was in. It's true. 
It's true. So they get there. What does the Glossa Ordinaria say? The Glossa Ordinaria actually is cool. That, that's a that's an ancient commentary on the text. Medieval. Medieval. Sorry. Uh, let me get my history periods right. It's a right, medieval yeah. commentary on the text, which is like a standard one. There's an, uh, They use the four days Late of- antiquity. Sorry. Thank you for your accuracy and your consubstantialization. Is, is that really where you want to go with that? No. Okay. It's not Tell us where about the gloss. <laughs> you, you're just interrupting me. Is, that, is this what it feels like to be you? Yep. Oh, it's the worst. Isn't it? It's really hard <laughs> to be you. No, I want to hear about the glossa. <laughs> okay. So there, there's four things. They compare the four days of the four different kinds of death. So that, okay. So that impaling. No, the, being run uh, over by a blimp. Original sin is oh. the first death. Then the violation of the natural law oh. is the second death. Then the violation of the Mosaic law is the Ooh. third death, Ooh. and then um, and then the um, uh, and then this, the uh, the uh, 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 rejection of the gospel of grace is the fourth oh, death. Oh man! Yeah. So That's that harsh. so that that actually that that what happens is that Jesus becomes the Lord over all of those deaths. Mm. And that wow. he's able to raise, even in the face of the rejection of the gospel, rejection of the Mosaic law, rejection of the natural law, and the original, wow. um, the original severing of humanity. That's hardcore. I know. Isn't that a cool? I, that's the insight that I, I've been super excited to share. That's really cool. Yeah. I, word up to the Glossa Orda. Word up to the Glossa. Well, now it's time to justify Martha to you. Okay. Justify Martha. Okay. So they get there, and Martha heard Jesus was coming, so she went out to meet him. Now- what does that remind you of? There's a story we've heard before that has that same um, that same structure. Isn't she heard that he was coming while he was at a distance, yes. so she went out to meet him. Paradigal of the prodigal father. <laughs> the paradigal of the prodigal son. The paradigal father. Yeah, the... it's the story of the prodigal son. It's worded in the same way. She heard about him coming, so she went out to meet him. So th- there's a little bit of resonance there. Uh, da, 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 da. Ooh, I like it. what you're doing. Um, she heard he was coming, so she went out to meet him, but Mary stayed at home. Mary sat at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, he will give it to you. And Jesus said to him, your brother will rise. Martha said, I know he'll rise on the resurrection. We all read Ezekiel 37 as well. <laughs> but Jesus said, no, no, no. I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, even if he dies, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Because... And that's interesting because she's, she's kind of flipping out, and he's sort of so. Well, one of the things, how do I? There's all these analogies that I don't want to share. <laughs> she's flipping out. How do you deal with someone who's kind of flipping out? You kind of have to grab their head and just focus them in. Wait a second. Do you believe what I'm saying? So my yeah, it, son, it, it, it's it's like it's like a uh, you actually have to lead them through a logical sequence of reasonings. Well, it's not even that as much. I mean, that's the kind of the next step. I'm thinking of my son, my three year old son, who's crazy. But you know, when he he he's going off, he's throwing a tantrum, or he's flipping out, or he's doing something. I've learned that I literally have to sometimes just take his head and make eye contact and be like, Samuel, I'm here. Do you hear me? Do you see me here? Yeah. And he'll start to calm down and refocus and be like, Okay, okay, what now? And you can actually start into it. It's almost like he's doing that. He's like, Martha, listen to me. Do you believe what I'm saying? Focus for a second. I am the you know resurrection what I mean? and the life. Yeah, that's what it. That's what it sounds like to me. Because rightly so, yeah. she'd be freaking out. Sometimes I have to do that with you. I know. Focus, <laughs> Father Peter. Focus, Father. But she. It, so I, she sounds kind of annoying here a little bit. But if you remember the Gospel of Mark, we both love the Gospel of Mark. Mark is the Gospel that's all about discipleship and the the uh, the formula for what it means to be a disciple. 
And I, I, I think that you can find, you know, this step-by-step formula of what a disciple does in the Gospel of Mark. Do you remember the—did we talk about the step-by-step formula in this podcast before? Mm-mm, no, we didn't. Step, what's step one of discipleship? Do you know according to Mark? No, I don't. It's that there's a call. You hear. You hear a call, right? And when you are called, what does the, the called person do if they're a good disciple? Respond. They come. They follow. They literally go, and they follow. So what is Martha actually doing? She hears that Jesus is there. What does she do? She gets up and she follows. She goes to him. So the language is, is, is imbued with discipleship language. So even if she sounds annoying, even if she's confused and maybe going about it the wrong way, she is acting like a good disciple. She hears Jesus. She goes to him. She's following him. She knows that ultimately that's where the answers are, even if she's frustrated. And it's, it's almost this license. We can get frustrated with God because we don't always understand what he's doing. Yeah. She has total faith in him, though, doesn't she? She does. If you had been here, you, you, are, you are God. I don't know if she knows he's God or not, but she knows that he can do this. Yes. And that he could have done this. It shows she has tremendous faith. Mm-hmm. even if she's kind of a loudmouth about it. <laughs> but I think God respects that. I think Jesus respects that because he said, do you actually believe what you're saying? Yeah. And she's like, yeah. He's like, all right, I'm going to show you. And he does. Yeah. Right? And then Mary shows up, right? Yep. So uh, he said this, and then she went and she called her sister Mary saying, hey, the teacher's here and he's asking for you. Again, it's the call and response language of discipleship that Mark points out. So she hears that Jesus is calling for her. And as soon as she heard this, she rose quickly and went to him. It's the story of the blind Bartimaeus and Mark. It's the model of discipleship, right? Yes. Um, She just hadn't come into the village yet. So he's still not there. They're all going out to meet him. Again, prodigal son language. Um, There were Jews in in the house who were comforting her. What does it mean whenever John uses the term the Jews? It's the, uh, the, uh, I mean, isn't it usually the the leadership? Not always, but it always implies something. What does it imply? It's always negative. Oh. Now Jesus is Jewish. Martha and Mary are Jews. Lazarus is a Jew. It's not it's not an eth- ethnic thing. Yes. But when Paul and when John uses it in that way, he's making you think, "Oh, these are the people who are against him." Again, it's nothing anti-Semitic because of course, Jesus is Jewish. John is Jewish. Uh, Martha, Mary, everybody else. But whenever you see that term, you're like, "Uh-oh. The Jews were there." Um and they're they're going to they're going to cause trouble. This is so long. I keep losing my place. I know it's so um, long. They were comforting. They were comforting her. So Mary got up and went out. They followed. They all followed her, presuming she was going to the tomb. To, isn't that kind of annoying? She. They're comforting her. She gets up and wants to go out by herself to weep. And they're like, "Let's go follow her and watch her weep." And the t- like, yeah. get off my back. You can see why they're annoying to her. Yeah. Um, so she saw Jesus. She fell at his feet. She said, "Lord, it's similar to what Martha said. If you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died." Um, she saw Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come saw her weeping. And Jesus became what? Sad. Oh, you don't have the readings in front of you. I was just like, oh, I'm not following, so just tell me. Jesus, be, It says Jesus became perturbed and deeply troubled. Oh, yeah. The proper translation is he became angry. That's what it actually says in Greek. Why is he angry? Because uh, of these following. These following idiots or whatever yeah. they're doing. They're just looking for whatever they're looking for. Yeah. Jesus is angered by them, not by Martha or Mary. And so he's annoyed by them. He says, where have you laid him? They said, come and see. Jesus um, wept. The Jews, oh, come and see. Where did we see that before? Uh, it's um, it's a, a John, the calling of John, yeah. the discipleship of John. Exactly. Come and see. Where are you staying, Lord? Come and see. So Jesus says those same words. Jesus wept. Why does he weep? Because he loved Lazarus. Yeah, this is so beautiful. The Catechism talks about this. It shows so beautifully Jesus' true humanity. He's not yeah. in anguish. He's not despairing. Yeah, yeah. He's not 
even mourning this. Well, he is mourning in a certain sense, but he's he just simply has human emotions, and he's sorry for these women. He's sorry for his friend. Uh, the Jews, there's that quote again, see how he loved them. But some of them said, could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man? He, This guy opened blind man's eyes. Couldn't he have done something as well? So Jesus, again, perturbed, angry, came to the tomb. There was a cave and a stone lay across it. And he said, take away the stone. Now, what is this? all of this reminding us of? A stone at a tomb that needs to be rolled away. I mean, the resurrection, I mean, it's, it's prefigurement. Yeah, big time prefigurement, though. I mean, yeah. the whole gospel has been prefiguring what's going to happen in a very real sense. Mm. But like we said, as these signs get more and more intense, mm. the prefigurement gets more and more just starkly clear. Yeah. There's a stone that needs to be rolled away. Remember the women who come to the tomb, who will roll away the stone for us? Yes. Jesus said, and what does Jesus say? He shows up, take away the stone. He's answering the question that's actually going to show up in the next couple of chapters. Mm. Who will roll away the stone? Well, who has rolled away the stone? He has. Yeah. And they say, Lord, there's going to be, it's going to really stink in there. It's been four days. And he said, "Uh, you're going to see the glory of God. So rolled away the stone. He raised his eyes. He said, Father, I thank you for hearing me. I know you always hear me because of the crowd. He said this, uh, that they might believe. And when he had said this, he cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. He cried out in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And there's a, a reference I had in my notes to something about that. Well, I, what's interesting is like in some ways that's going to be kind of like oh, yeah. mirroring back us to Ezekiel. Well, yeah, where where, oh, yeah. where he's he's actually going to cry out and he's going to tell these bones to reconstruct themselves. Mm. And and it's it's actually like uh, it's mm. it's the sound of Jesus at the end times, like he was talking to it, Martha. That's like, what I was thinking of the end times, the general. Yeah, the the, the general resurrection is mm. that that we will all hear the voice of the Lord, and it yeah. will actually reconstitute us. Yes, exactly. Like Ezekiel, that's what Ezekiel's talking about. Even though yes. nobody gets that necessarily. Totally. That's what's happening. There's going to be a cry. He's going to cry out, and we're going to come back together. But it's not just a spiritual reality. No, it's like, I'm going to hear that thing. It's everything. Lazarus hears with his ears and his bo- his literal body is raised up. And what, what does he do? He comes out. So again, it's discipleship language. There's a call and there's a response. He follows. He comes. He's actually being a good disciple. Even though he's bound. Even though he's bound. So yeah, he's tied hand and foot with burial cloths. And his face was wrapped in a cloth. Well, what, again, what does that all remind us of? The, I mean, uh, the I mean Jesus, Jesus and, his, right? his resur- and his resurrection. Well, yeah. but I mean, as the reason why I paused is I was mm. thinking about like what is the effects of these four types of sin in our lives? They blind us and yeah. it binds us. Ooh, ooh. And so, so that that even though there's there's a restoration in the midst of the in the mm. face of the sin, there's still a certain sense of being bound in sin. Yeah. Um, and that there, there there's some sort of consequence that needs. And then what does Jesus say? Remove these. Take right. these away, absolutely. And and, and then he said, that, um, uh, yeah. and then his face was wrapped in the cloth. So Jesus says, "Untie him and let him go." Oh yeah. And that there's a certain That's there's awesome. a certain sense that Jesus still can command the the the, the natural effects of these sins. Yeah. Now he he eliminates the death, and then he un, and then he loosens from the these natural effects. But how is Jesus able to do that? So th- this is what. So there's something Jesus said in the previous chapter that I think explains how he's able to do this. How is Jesus able to untie him and unbind him? It's because of the language of what we just saw. Jesus called and he responded. So the previous chapter, I want to read to you a quote from uh, John 10, the previous chapter, verse 27. He said, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they come and follow me. 
and I give them eternal life, and they shall not perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Mm. So in the previous chapter, he prefigured what he's going to do with Lazarus. The sheep, my sheep know me, and they respond to my voice, and they follow when I call. Yeah, That's what Lazarus just said. That's why he can be unbound. You know, way back in John chapter 5, Jesus actually predicts, he, he says, all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. That's all. That's the good ones. That's the evil ones. That's everybody. Everyone's going to rise from the dead. Not everybody's going to be unbound. Mm. It's those who follow him. Ooh. Which is interesting. Yeah. So John has been setting you up for this moment since the beginning of the gospel. So we hope that many of the Jews who had come to Mary and seen what he'd done began to believe in him. Yeah. Even the opposition are exactly. beginning to believe in him. And that's and that's the thing is like our our the the um opposite what we fight are, are not people. The, the, it's this this and that's the whole thing that's going on here it's the it's the hardness of heart it's right. the it's the it's this nasty stuff inside it's actually yep. the deaths the rejection of the gospel of grace of the mosaic law of the that's natural it. order and of and 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 the the uh the original sin the original break yeah that's it and that's where jesus is like defeating all of us and i think that in some ways he sees in lazarus all of us of all time yeah and he weeps for us Absolutely, because he he sees that the the death that we have to endure. I know, excuse me, and <laughs> like the, he sees the death that we have to endure, yeah. and and he wants to say, "Awake, O sleeper! Right, live." Absolutely, that's it. And he calls us forth. So hear the voice of the Lord. Don't mess yeah. around. And no, when it, and when it happens, follow. Although, when you follow it. Could, uh, the other thing we have to keep in mind in the very next chapter, when the Pharisees are brought into this and questioned about it, they end up arresting Lazarus. Oh, so they, I don't remember. Yeah, that he part. gets arrested in the next chapter because he's a part of. So I mean, think about what's going on here. I mean, if we're open to being unbound, the world's not going to like that. They're going to be, or there's a plot to put him to death. That's what it is. They want to kill him. Oh, because they're like this guy knows too much. <laughs> you know, he's. Yeah. We don't like this. We don't like what's going on here. So there's going to be trouble. So, And that's what Lent is all about. I mean, where is this all leading us? Mm. Jesus doesn't die on the cross so that we don't have to suffer. He dies on the cross so that we are able to suffer. Mm. That's what Paul tells and us. We're not al- and we're not alone. We're not alone. We don't have to be afraid of it. God bless you guys. Uh, Thanks for ho- listening. We hope you uh, enjoyed uh, our extended podcast today. <laughs> what, what, <laughs> how many minutes did we end up? I'll try to. I'll try to cut it. Okay. God bless you. We love you. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. Word on the Hill is a production of the Aquinas Institute for Catholic Thought here in beautiful Boulder, Colorado, www.thomascenter.org. You can also send us an email at lankyguys at thomascenter.org. See you next week.